what a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. And uh, yeah, it's another week and another episode. I'm excited. What about you, Harris? I'm so excited. I got to see probably one of the best episodes of Raw that I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, we do need to talk about that. And I got to be there live, which is why it was so great, because I was there and you're still in South Dakota. That's that's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I believe we've seen yeah. we we went to one episode of Raw together once we, you know, met in college and it was completely okay. It wasn't a terrible episode of television. It was just an episode of Raw. It was and, the go home episode to WrestleMania, so you knew it wasn't going to really be anything special. Oh, I didn't even remember that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um I mean the but highlight week, I guess was the fact that we got to see Ronda live um and then yeah, she that was cool. then she uh did, did she put Triple H through table at that one. It was like the contract signing. So I feel like some something happened. Or, was it a I, was it a press conference? It was like a press. They did like a press was, conference. Right. That's what it was. It was like press conference style. It was weird. That was when everybody like wanted to like Ronda Rousey and didn't pretend to hate her to prove that they really like Becky Lynch. There's this weird dynamic going yeah. on right now. People are so Where stupid. I I everyone, hate wrestling fans so much right everyone now. Everyone is pretending that Ronda Rousey is trash. She's I know. not. No, she's, she's not. She's such a natural performer. And she's just not that great at talking, and that translates to Twitter. Yep. So everybody's like, oh, Ronda, Ronda sucks. No, she doesn't. She's no. so good. We're, I, yeah. I'm jumping the gun here a little bit, but I want to talk about this because this was making me mad. So once again, this week on Twitter, Ronda just got nuked from orbit by Becky Lynch. It's happened like yeah. three or four times at this point. And every time we think, oh, well, that that's about it, right? Surely she's going to stop <laughs> tweeting at Becky Lynch for a while. She doesn't. She just keeps going right at it. To her credit, and um, yeah, she got she got you know torched again. It was something yep. involving you know an arm bar and a work shoot. <laughs> you can go read the tweets if you're listening to this podcast. You've already read them. Let's be honest. So people right. are, are trying to act like Ronda Rousey isn't a good professional wrestler. I think Ronda Rousey understands exactly what her job is, which is to put Becky Lynch over. I'm not saying she has a better like Twitter game in her somewhere that she's not letting out, but there's a reason she doesn't shut up, and it's because she knows that this is exactly what's supposed to be happening. I don't know. Do you agree with that? Uh, I I don't know if I totally agree with that, but I but I get what you're saying. I, I think I think that's a fair point. I don't know. I just. And maybe this is just my reflex as a wrestling fan, and I do this a lot when I watch UFC or something anyway. I'm like, why does everybody take it so seriously? Like, I just, I, I trust that there's more of a work going on than maybe there is sometimes, but I see something like this, and people think that Ronda Rousey is actually really butthurt about this, and I just I, <laughs> I can't imagine that being true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just don't, I don't understand. I mean, I get, 
I get it in some way because it's just wrestling fans are the worst. I mean, it's so funny. It's whole, it's Daniel Bryan's whole character, but he's one hundred percent right. He is. That's um, the thing. I like not him not about lot. not about necessarily the the crazy and uh, eco terrorist part, but but the uh, the fickle the part fickle. is one hundred percent accurate. Wrestling fans are the worst people in the world when it comes to stuff like that. I mean, and we both fall in that category too with with a lot of things. But it's just I'm so over wrestling I'm pretty much over wrestling Twitter at this point I rarely participate I tweet stuff from the account every now and then but I just I don't I just don't care anymore because everyone is so negative about everything especially WWE wise and look I'm the first to bash WWE don't get me wrong they they really annoy me and have for years we we complain especially me plenty of times on this podcast but it's just like it's getting to the point where it's just complaining about stuff and hating on stuff for no reason or for the reason like you were saying just to prove you like something else. And once it gets to that, it's just like, all right, now it's just kind of annoying. And I don't know. There are definitely things I don't like, but stuff as far as that goes, as far as the Ronda thing, it drives me nuts. Is she the best talker? No, not by a long shot. Is she great at it? No, no. And and is she bad sometimes? Yes. But that, that's a small part of it. She's still not nearly the worst talker on this roster. And she's no. so good at performing, as you were saying. And, you know, I don't know. But it does, it is, it has driven me crazy. Although, the one guy did point out the fact that Ronda's armbar is so stupid. And I was so happy someone finally, like, took the time to actually, like, put pictures together. Because I've cared about it enough to rant about it. But I, I, know, haven't cared I, ab- I haven't cared about it enough to, like, do that. And so I'm glad someone else did. So now I don't have to. And, man, it, it was so funny looking through the comments of people trying to, like, explain how Ronda's armbar was, like, the actual one. And most of their arguments were just, she's a UFC fighter. Of course hers are real. It's like... No, no, no. That that's the problem. If this was like not Ronda Rousey, it wouldn't bother me as much. But she one hundred percent knows how to do them because we've seen her do them multiple times. She knows that what she's doing is complete crap as far as a move goes, and that's the part that drives me nuts. It's like you know this isn't a real move, so why are you doing it anyway? See, to me, and I care less about. Maybe it's just because I don't have any experience like actually doing martial arts. That's probably part of it. But the floor for my suspension of disbelief is a little is a little lower, I guess. Like I don't yeah. really care because it looks so good in the setup. Like that's sure, a move sure, that was sure. clearly designed where she holds up their arm with a lot of flair and it lets her dramatically like wrench it back down. True. And the motion of it, you just go, Oh, she got her and they tap immediately and it's really great. It doesn't work like that guy did. If you take a picture and look at what she's doing and at the right angle, which I know you can see and it drives you crazy. Yeah. I don't really care. I think it works. At this point, again, though, this is another thing I'm pretty much over at this point just because, I mean, there's there's no use caring about it anymore at this point. I, I've gotten to the point where I'm trying to care about as little things as possible because it just takes way too much effort. Like, on Twitter especially, I don't understand the people that, like, constantly get in these arguments. I just don't I just don't get it. I, I, like, I've gotten in a couple where I've, I've tweeted back maybe once or twice and then be like, you know what, I don't care enough to take the time 
to do this. And it's amazing to me that there's so many people that care that much. But see, you anyway. you weighed into that a little bit more because you're the primary user of the Twitter account. I yeah. mostly just like I tweet things from my personal account and then retweet them and occasionally <laughs> right. I'll chip in with something else. But yeah, I, I, I try to stay away from that too. Yeah, I just don't uh, care enough. It has nothing to do with anything. I just don't. I just have well, you never so little. You're never going to convince anyone of anything. Yeah, it's like part hey, of it I, too. I like this thing. Well, you know, you're wrong. You shouldn't because all right, stop. Like it, you know, it's just yeah. it's just noise. All that being said, okay, I want to I want to pivot to something else that happened on Monday Night yeah, Raw. Yeah, yeah. Purely because we just had this lovely little rant about how all people do is complain about WWE. Mark. Yeah. My my dude. You care way too much about Triple H being the face in this feud. Batista is back. He's yeah, yeah. No, I'm awesome. happy about and that. The first thing you did was start complaining. I'm. Just, I, I, I hate Triple H so much. I just. I hate. I hate Triple H. Always have. Always will. And it just. I hate their. I hate Triple H and Stephanie. And I hate it because they're running everything. And so you know they're the corporate heads. And I. I get it. But then quit playing heels on TV if you're just going to turn right around and not be heels the next second for no reason whatsoever. It's so wishy-washy. I'm so over it. I'm so over both of them. I'm like, you two are great heels on TV, but you won't commit to it because you're actually the, the people that run the company in real life. And then even they won't even commit to it on TV. And are constantly going back and forth. Just in the past, watch them and all their appearances in the past month. And tell me if they're a heel or a face. You can't. And then all of a sudden, they're then and now they're going to do this. Where it's this Batista thing. And now you're going to bring back Batista. Someone who people kind of want to like now. Because he's now kind of a movie star and people like it. People kind of feel bad with what happened in his last run. So they're really ready (laughs) to like him again. And in any, any return you know, gets a pop anyway, anytime someone returns. And you're Unless all that, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. all that put together, and then you're going to make that person the heel and the big bad corporate person who's pretty much been a heel constantly for the past several weeks and has like been bashing Becky Lynch and all this other stuff. And now that's going to be the face. What? How does that make any sense in any world? Just because now you bring in the Ric Flair aspect and now everything else is forgotten and it's just heel baby face now. It's just, I, I, I just, I wish, I wish I could be a WWE writer because it takes no common sense or logic whatsoever. And you can just write whatever you want. See, again, I'm not going to argue with anything you just said. Triple H as a face doesn't work. It's really never worked. I've, I've been watching He's a terrible face. Stuff. From like 2010, 2011. He's, he's funny. T- he's funny with Shawn Michaels. He definitely has good humor, but it's still not usually in a very face way. He's kind of a decent anti-hero when he was like DX, that type of thing. But as a pure baby face, he's terrible. Right. And look, maybe they'll do something stupid in the next few weeks to make him more of a pure baby face. They will. Everything we saw Monday night was just straight up like evolution beef it's just it, you know it's not like it's going to be a straight like heel versus heel match now I don't think, that I, I just don't think you know what i mean like this is this is batista being this is what we've seen so far this is how i took it batista's mad that he wasn't invited right he's jealous of triple h he wants to get triple h's attention and i think they might if they're smart which you know who knows they're going to delve into the fact that like 
they didn't think Batista should leave to go to Hollywood and they didn't yeah. think it was going to work out, you know, and all this kind of stuff. I think he wants to be a heel. That's the biggest thing. Sure. He wanted to be a heel when he came back last time. That's what he's good at. If he taps into this, you know, blue Tista thing, like the nose ring was blue. That was a great touch. <laughs> the sunglasses were blue. Yeah, they were. It was just it was just brilliant. If he wants to tap into the fact that, you know, the fans don't care about me, they think I'm a joke, they don't believe in me, and just sort of be that anti-hero, I, I, I read it as more of an anti-hero versus anti-hero match. Like, it's just, yeah, it's just maybe. a big grudge match between two big, famous part-time legends, and they're just going to start at one end of the ring and smash into each other, and it's going to be great. Now, yeah. I say all that. I feel like a lot of my role on this show is saying, well, hang on, maybe we're overreacting and maybe it'll be good and it'll be like this. <laughs> You're and like the ultimate not... devil's advocate. Right. Realistically, it is more likely that they will try to paint Triple H as this uber white meat baby face over the next few weeks and then they're going to have a 22-minute match at WrestleMania Yeah, because that's all Triple H knows how to do. You're right. This needs to be an eight-minute long match where, like I said, they both just smash into each other. Yeah. It needs to be like that Goldberg-Lesnar match from a few years back. Yeah, yeah. Now, okay, now, now to be fair, saying all the other stuff, this is definitely an intriguing match and I'm glad it's taking place. Like, I like that matchup, and there's a real dynamic there with the evolution thing. So, all that other stuff aside, it'll be entertaining. At least it should be. Again, you're right. If they try and make it a 22-minute, that's going to be a little rough. There's no way Batista has no. enough ring no. shape to go no. that long. No. Like, There's absolutely there's no way. Just play the hits. I agree. Have a run in or two. Let's get out of there. I, I 100% agree. Just, just bring in the evolution element. I wonder what they're going to do with Orton because I feel like Orton's tied up in other stuff right now. So that'll be interesting yeah. if they bring that into it. But regardless, I mean, it, it adds another star match to WrestleMania. So that's good because, again, at this point, <laughs> there's been one match that we know is going to happen and that's it. And, yeah. so, and now we don't even know if that's going to happen because they're going to find a way to put Roman Reigns in it. And they're going to immediately destroy all his goodwill that he's been built up if they do that. And I really hope they're smart enough not to do that right now. I think Roman, at least, is smart enough to know that. Oh, oh, no, I know Roman knows it. I'm not worried about him. I'm worried about Vince. Well, this is my favorite. Again, this this was the biggest reason that I decided to go to Monday Night Raw. I think we talked about this a little last week. Probably. I saw that Raw was coming to Atlanta. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, I don't, mm, maybe I'll go, but like, I don't know if I can't, you know, like there's going to, you know, they advertise what the matches are going to be and you know it's subject to change, but it's like, oh, there's the icy title. Yeah. Okay. Do I want to, and I was really on the fence about it until the weekend before when they said Roman Reigns is coming back and he's got an announcement. I'm like buying my ticket. <laughs> you, get, you got me. It worked, Vince. Congratulations. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. But. That was a great moment to see him come back and actually get cheered. And I was a little scared that he wouldn't be. And I was a little scared that the crowd would turn on him. And even Roman, if you watch it, is not entirely sure how to handle (laughs) it. Like, he doesn't really trust us. Yeah. Which is totally fair. Oh, that's fair. But there was was one moment, first of all, where a guy way up in the cheap seats thought he was going to be a smartass and went, You still suck! And it was at like a pause in the promo, and I don't know if it came out on TV. I don't. Rem- I didn't notice it. 
but I know you could notice it on TV because then everyone else went, boo, <laughs> trying to boo that guy out. But if you go back and rewatch it, you can see Roman like kind of pauses for a second. <laughs> like he's like, wait, is this for me again? Are we back? And then he lets it die out and he's like, no, okay, I guess not. And he keeps going. <laughs> that is funny. But my favorite moment in all of this, because he was still, like it was a really good heartfelt moment, but yeah. he's – He's still not like John Cena on the mic, and he's never no. going to be. Like it nope. was good and it was sincere, but it wasn't like a pipe bomb. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't blowing. I'm not gonna away, lie. There were still plenty of moments where I was like, eh. Yeah. Like e- right, even exactly. even during this moment with all this stuff, and you know, mm-hmm. obviously the big the the battle and everything and all that stuff's great. Uh, him coming back and everything. Even with that, there's still like a mm-hmm. oh yeah, I remember why I didn't like this guy. There were right. still a couple and- of moments with that. You talk about being fickle. I mean, people will be booing him in three weeks if they keep oh, giving yeah, him for 20 sure. minute promos to open the show. <laughs> that, They're going to boo him next thing. week if they haven't come out and do that again. All, all that being said, all that being said, there was this one great moment that I'm 99% sure he just improvised. And the crowd starts chanting, WrestleMania. And he looks at the sign and he's like, slow down, guys. <laughs> he's like, let's. Uh, Let's walk before we can run and yeah. crawl before we can walk, all right? And I was like, yes! That was funny. You. That was don't funny. Don't put him in WrestleMania. Yeah. I hope they just – I don't think they'll do this because Seth Rollins already has a match. But if they just put him in a tag match with Dean, like to start the show, that's that's all that needs to happen. Don't overthink it, guys. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. But that was – well, yeah, that was cool. But ultimately, yeah, you got a, uh, a pretty solid experience there at Raw. I was definitely jealous. I was very, oh. very jealous. Oh man! But um, we'll we'll save the other part about that raw for later because I already have stuff written down for that. Um, Perfect. All right, let's go. Anyway, but uh, after that, nice little intro, man. We're getting longer and longer. We're talking about what's going on with WWE right now, which is kind of hey, funny. that's because I I think that's a good thing. That means like stuff is actually happening. Uh, it yeah, is. It is. For the whole last quarter of the year, it was just like I didn't watch Raw. I heard it kind of sucked. <laughs> anyway, here's the topic this week. Right. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, um, Fastlane is next week, so we'll see how that what happens there. But regardless, all right. So I guess we'll get into uh, this week's topic. And now this is going to be a little different because, as I said on Twitter, I am starting a three-part series that'll discuss uh, that, that will go over three matches. And uh, obviously these will be peppered in because you know, we, we alternate every other week. So th- these will be every two weeks. Whenever it's it's my turn, we'll, we'll do these. And what we're going to be talking about, and a lot of you people probably know about it if you were watching wrestling in the early 90s. And, but, and, and it's a funny thing because, again, as I was telling Harris, you know, I was trying to pick a topic yesterday, going through the list, you know, several... And maybe are a little short or whatever. Maybe didn't want to do. And so I was kind of trying to figure it out. I found one and I was like, all right, let's do this. It was one match. And then, of course, as it happened so many times in the process of researching it, I found these other things and I was like, oh man, this is great. And so this is known as... Harris, do you have like water running in the background? Oh, yeah, it's raining outside. Oh, sorry. okay. Well, turn that off. Um, <laughs> turn the, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Any, let, me just, anyway. let me just flip the switch and turn it off. <laughs> anyway. We're nothing but professional. Right, right, right. Anyway, I just 
was wondering what that was, but fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay. I'm in the bath right now. Right, yeah. right. I was like, now's not the time, Harris, but you know, that, <laughs> that's fine. Anyway, before we go too far off the rails, it's raining in, raining in. So I was looking up this match, and I found a Reddit post where a guy was, was commenting, like a, it was about this match. And a guy wrote like these like three big paragraphs, and he was talking about more things that had to kind of do with it. And so apparently these matches, these three matches I'm going to talk about, were known by the fans, not not by the company or anything, because they don't necessarily have anything to do with one another. But they're known as the tr- the WCW Trilogy of Terror. And what what these are is in the early 90s, we're, we're starting in 92, WCW was not doing well, as most people know. It was not doing well. Bill Watts was booking. Um, Eric Bischoff, I think, had just come in to start running production right around this time, but he wasn't in charge of anything like booking-wise or any of that. He had just come in and I think was starting to run production at this point. But for some reason, and, and a lot of things I read talked about that the reason for this, what I'm about to talk about starting, was the fact with the Cactus Jack thing that we saw, which Harris did an episode on, of Cactus Jack having amnesia in Cleveland and thinking he was a sailor. And you know how they were doing like these mini movies type of thing with that whole topic. Mm-hmm. Well, apparently, a lot of people think that that sparked this kind of uh, affinity for this mini movie style. Oh, no. And so WCW had these three matches where they promoted them with these mini movies that are like the greatest things ever. And so that is what I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about a different one over the next three episodes that I do. And we're going to start with Halloween Havoc 1992. And the match is known as Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. Okay. And Harris, have you ever heard heard of this? this? Okay. Okay. So Sting, it's Sting versus Jake the Snake Roberts. Now Jake the Snake had just jumped ship from WWF and came into WCW, and this is like he's at like his peak at this point. I mean, he's coming off like the hot, being like the hottest heel in wrestling, so he's a big deal. And so pairing him with the biggest face in the company, Sting, only makes sense, right? And of course, though. Early 90s WCW, so, well, you know, it nothing ever works out as good as they want, for the most part. So, I'm going to back up, and, you know, we talked about, we talked about the, uh, the Mick Foley amnesia thing, so that, that started this whole thing. And so, Sting and Jake the Snake, Jake the Snake was the perfect character to build up kind of a big Halloween Havoc match around, because, you know, he's creepy, the snake aspect, all that thing. You know the way his promos are, the low voice, talking menacing. It's perfect for Halloween. So it makes sense. So they have a new concept that was created called Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal. And now all it was was a big wheel with matches on it, and whatever the wheel landed on, the match would be. But to promote it, WCW created like a, a big vignette And the idea seems to have been taken straight out of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Now, have you seen this movie, Harris? 
You know, I, I haven't. Actually. Okay. Okay. I know I should have. Well, for any of you that have seen Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, I, I mean, it is almost just taken right. They almost just try and recreate like some scenes from this. And because in that movie, there was a wheel to determine one's punishment for breaking the deal. And it was dubbed break, break a deal, face the wheel. That's what they say in the movie. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Okay, see, I'd heard of spin the wheel, make the deal, but having not seen Mad Max, I guess I didn't realize what a blatant ripoff it was. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, one hundred percent. It gets worse. It gets worse. Excellent. All right. So you know, and what you know, in that one, there are all these weird. I look like in the scene that they kind of parody. You know, Mel Gibson is in like the Thunderdome and there's all these weird creatures around and they're chanting things at Mel Gibson and all this stuff. And so for this vignette, there's a dark alleyway and we see a girl walking through the mist to get to a door where the guy like opens up the little slot and asks for a password. And she says, spin the wheel. And no, and he says, spin the wheel. And she responds with make the deal. And that's the password, I guess, to let them in. So he lets her in, and it turns out the guy at the door was this little person with an eye patch, and I found out that his name was Cheatem, you know, like cheat them. So yeah, no, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and inside, it's 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 stra- it's something straight out of Mad Max. I mean, it's weird people dressed in leather and like mostly biker-looking guys, and there's little people and weird-dressed girls and. It's it and almost it's almost like has this weird supernatural element to it. Also, it's it's just it's it's such a blatant ripoff. It, it's amazing. Um, All right, th- now th- hang on. Let me let me interrupt you for a second. Is this you might have already this is still Dusty Rhodes producing all of these, right? Because I know he was behind the Cactus Jack ones. Yeah, it, and Bill Watts I think is still there at the time. So yeah, it's right. kind of that. It's kind of that regime. Yeah, right. It's yeah. the same creative team. That's yes. just. That's funny because we talked about this when we did the Cactus Jack one. But like Dusty Rhodes, brilliant guy, great wrestling mind, doesn't really understand how to make other forms of entertainment like the movies, you know, that that they're trying to do now. Yeah. Um, You know, other other things in the uh, in the room there. There's there's Hannibal locked in a room with the mask and everything as well. I don't know why. Um, just to add ambiance, I guess. Um, how is that allowed? I don't know. I don't know. And then, of course, there's Jake the Snake. He's clad in a leather jacket and smiling menacingly, and everyone's chanting, spin the wheel, make the deal, spin the wheel, make the deal, which is exactly what happens in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. They're, they're <laughs> chanting, break the deal, face the wheel, or whatever. like it's the exact, it's the same thing. And so, the, and they're chanting this like at the girl. So she walks over to the wheel, which I got to describe the wheel. Okay. It's, it, it's this comically big, like saw blade with 12 matches written each in little like pie slices. And, but it's just like a giant buzzsaw. It has axes like coming out of the sides on like certain parts. And it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Okay. And so the girl okay. goes. Then, then the girl walks over to the bar and for some reason is given a pair of garden clippers from a, from the little person. I don't know why. With like the approval of Jake, who's like nodding yes at her. I don't know why that happens. Um, she goes back, though, to spin the wheel. 
But before she can do so, in walks the icon, the man they call Sting. He stands silhouetted in a lit doorway with fog all around him in a superhero pose. It's great. And everyone turns and gasps, and it's hilarious. It's like the worst acting, like, gasps <laughs> I've ever seen. It's great. But Jake, of course, he smiles, and he then speaks to Sting and, and cuts just an amazing promo, it, as only Jake can do. I mean, he's one of the best promos ever, and it's it's just incredible. And I'm going to play some of it here because, like, it's so it, it's too good for this segment. Like, it shouldn't have been this. He should have made a worse promo to fit this segment because this is too good. This is uh, fantastic. So let's uh Sting, you don't get it, do you, man? You don't have a clue. Look around you. This is my playground. These are my people. I'm smiling, not you. It's come down to this. You see, the deal is on the wheel. At Halloween Havoc, your worst nightmare will come true. Twelve of the toughest and most brutal matches in wrestling. That's right. That's right. Brutal. Brutal. You see on the wheel, there's a cage match, there's a barbed wire match, there's a death match, or there might even be a mystery match. But you see, the deal is, man, you got to step up and spin that wheel. Once you spin it, where it stops, that's what you and I are going to do. And what happens? Well, we both go in the ring, one man comes out, the other... <laughs> well, no. Like it, it's it's so good. It's such a good promo. And so was that was that Cheatham being like his? Yeah, yeah, man? yeah. It was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the and it, it's it's great. Sting is kind of eh. He's not the best actor, but he tries, and it's not the worst thing ever. But Jake is great. See, this just makes me wonder, because you're right. I feel like this is something we say a lot on this show. This doesn't sound like a terrible idea no. on paper. And, like, that promo was really good. But it does kind of make you wonder why they didn't just have him cut that promo backstage. <laughs> right, they had right. To promote this huge, like you said, it doesn't fit the vibe. Like, no. why design this whole really cheesy, like, sound screen stage setup Yeah. if you can't, you know make it as cool as the promo that he cuts right but you know that's wrestling for you it's true but you know but he's hyping this up man i mean it sounds great i mean he's talking about how horrific all this stuff is and at this point wcw like there wasn't brutal stuff happening in mainstream wrestling really at the time like right. not not like a, i mean maybe a few things that happened but for the most part that this doesn't happen this is pre-ecw you know this is pre all that stuff so the, you right. know this is this is a big deal. He's talking about barbed wire matches and death matches and stuff like that. I and mean, a you, mystery match, which yeah. I like because it's mean, just miscellaneous. I mean, you're buying you're buying it. Yeah. Um, and then, but of course, he throws in a total ripoff Thunderdome line of two. We both go in the ring and one comes out, which is exactly what is said in the about the Thunderdome. But um, mm -hmm. and you know, and Sting responds. He's saying he's not afraid of the wheel or Jake and. Sting says, let's do it now. So he walks over to the wheel. He starts to, he spins it. And as it's spinning, Jake then walks up. They stare at each other. And then lasers shoot out of both of their eyes and cause a big explosion. And that's the end of the vignette. I'm not even <laughs> kidding. I'm not kidding. Why? It's the weirdest thing 
You just have to look it up. It's all this is the whole thing's on YouTube. It is. It's, it's the weirdest way to end it. It's just, again, like I thought you were just gonna say, like he spins the wheel and they stare each other down and it fades to black. That's you know, what like what's gonna done. happen? Tune in, and I was like, oh, that actually makes sense. <laughs> right. But no, no lasers shoot out of their eyes and they explode. Okay. Um. Anyway, so that's the end of uh, of the vignette. And you know, so it's it's goofy. It's it's pretty dumb, but Jake's great. So you know, not a total loss. Like this is this is an intriguing idea. Like like this, like as you were saying, even without this thing, if it was just you think the spin the wheel thing, you think that's dumb. But then you kind of think about it and you're like, no, that actually could be kind of interesting, especially to do like at the pay per view when you don't know what's gonna happen. You know that type right. of thing. There's there's intrigue there, and th- this could still be good. So we fast forward to Halloween Havoc. The show's underway. It's going on. But now it's, you know, it's about at the halfway point because this match is going to be the main event. So about the halfway point, Sting is going to come out and spin the wheel. You know, we got to figure out what we're going to do. So he comes out on stage and there's that buzzsaw wheel. And they're selling this as a non-sanctioned match also. They keep saying that. That's going to be too brutal for WCW to sign off on. But yet they're still going to put it on their show. I always love the idea of non-sanctioned matches. It makes absolutely no sense. A non-sanctioned match is if they did it on the parking lot, not part of the show. That's true, but that also, I I do kind of love the wrestling logic of it, which is basically just that look like, legally speaking, they're not going to sign off on any of this, but they're still going to profit from it. Right, It's just, you know, it's Vince McMahon (laughs) or Bill Watts or whoever covering their butts in case somebody gets killed. Right. I also like it in the sense that you think about it like a UFC fight being sanctioned and like, you know, Conor McGregor gets suspended by the New York Athletic Commission so he can't fight in New York anymore or something like that. I like the idea of Vince taking a match like this or Bill Watts taking a match like this to the State Athletic Commission. And they're like, no, absolutely not. That's insane. We're well, you know that's that. what they used to do. You know, like in the 70s and 80s, they right, did that. Exactly. It's a throwback. Right. So anyway, so that, that's pretty funny. It, it's kind of dumb, but it, but it fits the vibe. Like, like, you know, in the atmosphere, you're like, oh, man, non-sanctioned. Like, you know, it sounds good. So Sting comes out to spin the wheel. It, it, ra- it like rises up from under the stage, like in this dramatic, like slow rise. Tony Schiavone comes out and he tells. Is there like smoke coming out? Oh there? yeah, there's smoke and fog. Yeah, and I knew it. Uh, Tony Schiavone comes out and tells Sting to spin it. There's a big lever there, and Sting pulls the lever. There's a slight delay as the person who's actually spinning it finally gets it going, and then there are sparks going off around it as it spins. It's going. It's going. Uh, J R and Jesse the Body Ventura are the two broadcasters, so they're kind of talking about all the different matches that are on there and all this stuff that can happen. And, you know, it starts to slow down. And it finally lands on the match that they're going to have. You know, and we, we've talked about the match that are on here. I mean, this this is not the normal type of thing. I mean, like, there's brutal stuff on here that we, we don't see barbed wire matches in WCW really at this point. You're not seeing... You know, Texas death matches and these type of... I mean, there's a lot of this stuff on here. I quit matches, first blood matches, all these are on here. No, it lands on Coal Miner's Glove Match. <laughs> I was really hoping you were just going to say, like, a no DQ match or something. Or like no, even better. Match. Even better. That's somehow... Yeah, like, it's worse. 
Coal Miner's Glove Match. They opted to actually have a true spin of the wheel and not gimmick it. Are you serious? That yes. was going to be a que- I wondered if that was going to come up or not. No, 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 no. This was not a gimmicked wheel. They actually let it spin, and that was a big mistake, clearly. Yeah, why would you put something like that on there? I cuz WCW in 92 was stupid. Sting is pissed and storms off the stage. <laughs> And so that's the match we're going to get, a coal miner's glove match. Now, let me explain what that means because it's very confusing. Well, it's not really confusing. It's pretty much just a pole match. Um, You know what? I'll I'll let Jesse, I'll let Jesse Ventura explain it, explain it to you. This, this This was his explanation of hyping this match. So Jesse Ventura, the... Last match of the night will be non-sanctioned. Sting and Jake the Snake Roberts spin the wheel, make the deal. It will be a coal miner's glove match. Let me explain to you what that is, Ross, and to the people out there at Halloween Havoc. That means there's a pole put on the corner. Above that pole goes a coal miner's glove match, which is a glove hardened steel in it. And if you get the glove, climb the pole, get the glove, you can use it on your opponent. Believe me, you get tapped one time with the glove. It's lights out. Party's over. Fans, as we know, there are two referees for the upcoming matchup for the NWA title. So, um, that's, <laughs> that's the explanation. That seems about right. Yeah. Um, now, I did some research on mining gloves, and there, there's no such thing. Um, mining gloves are just like either like cloth or leather or some other material like work gloves. You there's, mean they aren't like a pair of brass knuckles? N- uh, no. No, they're not. Um, so, I, but but again, this is not a new match. Like this is a type of match that has happened before. It's not like they in, they made it up for this pay per view, right? But I, I'm trying to figure out where this type of match started, because as far as I could tell from looking stuff up, there's never been like a coal miner glove that's like filled with metal. Like so, if there has been, then I'm wrong and I'm sorry. But I I, I looked. I tried. I tried. Looking up Man. history of coal mine equipment and everything, and I, I couldn't find anything on on that. But I um, would think it would be from like Appalachia somewhere, but then maybe that wouldn't be the case because they would know that that's not what a coal miner's glove is like. Uh, you know what I mean? That feels like something you would put like in Texas because <laughs> nobody knows about coal mining in Texas. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't know I don't know. But but that's, yeah, it's that's uh, definitely something. It's it's pretty much just a pole match. Um, <laughs> so and this is pre-Russo too, which is great. Also, on a pole, it's it, another pole match. Anyway, so that that's this is the match we're gonna get. This is the big anticipated main event that WCW has put tons of money into, making this giant mini movie vignette, which clearly costs a ton of money. And we got a coal miners glove match. I love. It's a good sign in any wrestling segment when the announcer has to take a deep breath and be like, "All right." Sit in, sit down, strap in, start taking notes. Here's what's about to happen. It was kind of the same situation as the sumo monster truck match where they were like, all right, guys, listen up. Here's the deal. And you just got to run through the whole thing. Yeah, it's <laughs> he never did a pretty a good, good job. He missed, he only misspoke a little bit. Talking yeah, no, about the pole match on the pole, but you know, you get the gist of it. No, I mean, Jesse Ventura did a good job. I mean, for all things considered, um, so anyway, now it's time for the match. Uh, and the pole is not a pole as we know it now. It is a huge 20-foot pole 
that goes over the corner of the ring. It's like black and white striped, and it has the glove perched on the top of it, like 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 you would put the opening to the glove like on the edge into the pole. And the glove is like a dark brown leather work glove with like a metal piece wrapped around the knuckles. Like it looks like some intern like put it together in the back as soon as they saw the wheel had landed on it. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like something like that maybe. Um, They're like a what? Oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so anyway, but yeah, I can't get over this fact. Like this pole is massive. Like it is massive like it threw me off when I first saw it so anyway Jake comes out and then Sting comes out and and the match is is all right it's nothing special you know they both go for the glove a couple of times to no avail but but like the pole's really tall so like it actually seems really difficult to to climb like you have to literally wrap your arms and legs and like shimmy and like climb up the pole (laughs) like it is it is tall so it's a thick. I was picturing at least like some sort of a rectangular. Structure no, no, no. It's like a climb up. No, no, it's just a thick pole. Yes. <laughs> like so. So it's you know it actually seems difficult to get to. Unlike a ladder match, you know, where they just f- could right. fly up it no problem, but they have to act like it's hard to climb. Yeah. No, this actually seems hard to get to. So that's the one like I guess prop that I'll give to it. Um, so after after ten minutes or so of the match, Sting is going for the glove, and but now out comes Cactus Jack with a bag, and he gives it to Jake, and of course it has the snake in it, and it it's a cobra, and Sting manages to to get to the top of the pole while this is going on, and grabs the glove, and he drops down, puts the glove on as Jake is about to come at him with the snake, but he nails Jake in the back with the glove. And this caused Jake to fall down. He then drops on Jake, pins him, one, two, three. And as he's pinning him, the snake attacks Jake and bites him in the face. Oh. Well, it actually took Jake a little while to get the snake to bite him in the face. But once it does, I mean, that thing latches on and draws a lot of blood. (laughs) I mean, cobras have, cobras, that's the thing. People think they just are like those two big fangs. No, like cobras have a lot of teeth and like bite. It's not just like one bite and that's it. Like they grind. And they don't let in go. There. No, right? no, I mean, no. Like, they, like I was watching footage of when he six one on a Macho Man. Right. And it clamps onto his arm, and it's not like bite and then slither away. It's like ar, 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 yeah, ar, yeah, yeah. Like no, it just, it's, it just locks. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty rough, and, but but it, it's like it didn't want to bite him at first. It took him forever to get the thing to bite him in the face, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, no, but it draws a lot of bl- a lot of blood and he's like staggering away to the back with Cactus Jack, presumably poisoned because, you know, that's the big thing. They kept talking about how there was like right. paramedics there with anti-venom and stuff like that for this match and things like that. But anyway, so and that that's that's the end of the show. Sting wins the coal miners glove match and Jake gets bit in the face and staggers off presumably poisoned with no more mention of anything. So I guess we're just supposed to assume he died. I don't know, because they don't mention that again. Um, I respect. Um, I respect that they really sold the coal miner's glove because I oh, feel yeah. like in a lot of these, like, like I remember, I think it was Bailey and Alexa Bliss had this terrible <laughs> kendo yeah. stick on a pole that match. Was, that was terrible. Where if you got the kendo stick, you were allowed to use it. Bailey got it, used it like once, and then Alexa Bliss took it from her and used it. Right. And the match went on for like five minutes after they got the thing, and it was right. like you didn't. 
you didn't really need that, did you? So I respect <laughs> that. Like Jesse Ventura took the time to say, man, you take one hymn from that and boom, you go down. And yep. it's like, no, yeah, pretty much. You can't. We're not playing around, man. This is a coal miner's glove. It'll kill a man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, they, they sell that. That's for sure. The one thing I want to—I don't understand with the ref is the ref is, like, refing. Like, why is there a ref here if it's a non-sanctioned match? And they even kind of make a point where it's like the ref's only here to count the pin, but then, like, the ref is still, like, doing his ref stuff. Like, when they're, like, in the corner and, like, telling him not to hit with a closed fist and the normal, like, ref stuff. And it's just like, what? Why? It's like in that Kofi Kingston-Daniel Bryan match, Elimination Chamber, when Kofi Kingston got a rope break. And we're all like, what? It's an elimin. What? There's no rope yeah. breaks. Like, why did Daniel Bryan release the Hulk? The ref actually didn't even call for the break. I'll give the ref credit in that elimination chamber. He didn't actually go over and call for the break. Daniel Bryan just did it like out of habit. And and I remember watching that and I was like, what? Why are why are you doing that? It's not. There's no rope breaks. It's elimination <laughs> chamber. Anyway, um, yeah, the lack of rules is hilarious in in WWE. But anyway. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, that ends that show, but don't worry because WCW would not be done with the spin the wheel, make the deal match. Um, nor, oh, nor, no. would, nor would they be done with these overproduced mini movies. Uh, the next year at Halloween Havoc, they again brought back the spin the wheel, make the deal match, but this time they actually did it right. Okay. The gimmick did that. Right. They did it with Vader. They did it with Vader and Cactus Jack. And okay, and they okay. they did gimmick it. I don't remember what exactly it landed on. I think it was just some sort of like death match. Mm-hmm. But like they put on a classic. Like it was one of the best matches of that year and like was the first death match or that type of thing really in WCW at the time. And it was really it was really good. So, you know, they 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 did it right. Um and then as far as the mini movies go, well, in uh, in two weeks, we'll talk about the uh, second in uh, this trilogy okay. of terror match. Now, again, they they don't have anything to do with each other necessarily. The only thing, the only constant between all three of these is Sting is a part of all all of these. That's the oh, only. That's really Sting. that's really the only constant. But that's what we're gonna get to in two weeks. We'll get into the second one, which is probably the most well known one out of all of these. And so, uh, so yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be uh, pretty fun, pretty fun. So uh, I'm going to leave that on a tease with what, with what we're going to do in two weeks. Cause we don't like to uh, tip the hand too fast, but if you know what the trilogy of terror matches are, then you already know. But you know, for I those of you, know, so for those of you, about this. for those of you that don't, you, you'll, you'll get to be surprised. So, so yeah, that's the uh, spin the wheel, make the deal. Story of WCW and their Mad poor Max Beyond Thunderdome and Coal Miner's Glove match. Poor Sting, man. He's I had know. to put up with a lot of crap in his career. It's true. He kind of peaked at the wrong time. Yeah. As far as, like, how good WCW was. Like, he peaked, like, in 89, 90, 91. Like, those years when it was just, like, down. Because it was, like, pre-NWA right beginning of WCW which was just pretty much trash until like 94 so there was a couple of good things but for the most part yeah kind of eh. so that's kind of a shame right. and it's like he was so good that he was the guy he was like yeah. the main event hero babyface for years and oh, it yeah. was just when they were trying out all this stuff <laughs> it did not work yeah so I, I'm happy that he then got the whole second half of it with the crow sting and the Late 90s with NWO and all that stuff because right. he deserved that. And then he had a great WWE run. Yeah, it was a shame. 
It could have been better. It could have been better. Well, that was really that was really moderate from you. I was trying to get you riled up. No, no, I've been okay. I, I'm telling you, man. I'm trying not to care about okay. about stuff All as right. much. Trying not to. He had a good TNA run though. Like for real. Like his run TNA was great. Yeah, Joker Stan. So. We talked about it. That was Did fun. A episode that on was it. fun. Yeah, look that up. But uh, so anyway, that does it for the topic. So I guess you know what that means. It's time for us to find out what's up with David Arquette. All right, and David Arquette, he's been up to a lot uh, this week. There's been a lot more stuff to talk about. We're going to start off with the obvious. Harris got to see him in person at Raw in, uh, in Atlanta. Well, not like meet him, but like could see but him I, in the arena. I, could, I got to see him literally. Like I could see him from my <laughs> seat because he was in the front row. And I was like, oh, it's David Arquette. There and he they, is. They did a great job of only showing him once in the whole show on TV. I did notice that. I was like, I wonder how often, because I was looking for it. You know, you can see the right. broadcast on the screen above you. And I kept looking to see if they would, like, cut to him. Because they've really done it. Him. They did they it. They really like, did it. They've done it in the past. They, they did it at the NXT thing from last year and some other. Like, they've right. they've done it before. So I was surprised. The only time you ever saw him is when Roman was coming around. That's the only time you saw him yeah. on the whole show, which is kind of a shame. Great. He's so fun to watch because he gets so into it, which is what you want. You know, you don't want someone who pretends that they're too cool to get into it. And he's a great person to have in the front row because you can see him. Oh, he yeah. was really into the revival during their match. Like he's a classic, you know, internet wrestling fan, big revival mark, a lot of stuff like that. It was super fun. Yeah. And also, apparently, what I found out because I was reading, I found some stuff to read about. And. He apparently went, you know, well, obviously, you know, he went to the Raw and then he went backstage afterwards and you saw him taking pictures with a bunch of wrestlers. Apparently, he was also recently in Stamford filming something. Heck yes. So I hope this means we'll see some WWE thing with David Arquette in the near future. Heck yes. That's what I'm hoping for. And, General uh, Manager David Arquette. Let's make it happen. Hopefully, there's a revived uh, relationship. Um, that is no longer bad from the 2010 so, Slammy Awards, which is, he talked about on our interview with him, which you can look mm-hmm. that up in our past episodes called David Arquette is here with an exclamation point. It's probably the best thing we'll ever do, it's, if we're being honest. It's 100% the best thing we'll ever do. And so that's why we haven't really been caring about our episode. No, that's that's not true. That's, <laughs> that's not true. Not that's true. Not true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so go back and look. So uh, hopefully we hear some more news with David Arquette and WWE soon. Um he also his next scheduled match isn't till April twenty sixth at uh, Northeast. Uh, it's Northeast Wrestling's WrestleFest twenty three, and he's apparently facing King Brian Anthony. So I think I, I, it looks like we might not see him in the ring until then, which is kind of a shame. So we'll, have well to. let him let him train heal up. I feel like that's for the best. <laughs> maybe maybe maybe. So anyway, and then the other thing that I found out. I saw an article that was talking, um, or his sister, Patricia Arquette, was on Ellen, and she revealed that David Arquette had suffered a heart attack, like, about a year and a half ago, like, like, right before he returned to wrestling, which is kind of wild, and so, I'm not really sure any details of that, I just found, she just said that, which is kind of interesting, especially then he would then go through with wrestling. That's that's wild. That is... Well, I wonder if that's... I mean, I don't know how exactly the timeline lined up, 
But if that wasn't like the impetus for him to get back into wrestling, then at least it was a reminder like, no, I really want to do this while I, you know, yeah, while I'm yeah. still here. That's a good point. No, that's that's, that's a fair point. It might be. And also, for some reason, <clears throat> Patricia Arquette retweeted my old post about David painting Bob Ross style. Nice. And so I started getting a ton of people liking and retweeting the tweet randomly. Like a, like a few days, like a week ago or whenever it I was. I saw that. I couldn't And I was just like, why. what is going on? Why are all these people liking this picture that I posted two weeks ago that didn't get any traction? And all of a sudden, and, and then I found out it's because she retweeted it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got all these weirdos liking my pictures and commenting hey, on no. it saying like, David shouldn't wrestle anymore and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, stupid Hollywood art people. Ugh. What if one of them tuned into this show, Mark? And that was—I don't care. This could have been their introduction into the world of wrestling. I don't like, care. Nope. nope. <laughs> don't care. This is for wrestling fans. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, if you're not a wrestling fan, you listen. We we appreciate you. And if you're still listening, why? We're shocked <laughs> and impressed. Let's be honest. Exactly. So anyway, that's what's uh, that's what's up with David Arquette, and that's the David Arquette news for this week. So anyway, um. Yeah, that, that's kind of it with the episode. It was a little bit shorter because, again, I was doing this research and I found out that it was all three of these matches. And so I was like, oh, man, that might be really long. And I was like, you know what? I think there's enough I can just split them into three. And so that's what I'm that's what I'm going to do, giving it a little bit more time to each one individually instead of trying to cram them all in at once, which uh, isn't isn't fair to them because they deserve more talking about than that. And that's probably easier on you, the listener, if we're honest, if we don't yeah. go for two hours every week. <laughs> also, I don't have enough space with the, uh, the 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 plan that I have with uh, Pinecast, the website that I use to host our podcast on. I only have a certain amount. Like Each episode can only be a certain length with the plan that I have. So when we start getting these really long ones, it's like, oh boy, we're running out of space. So... It's better to keep them an hour, if at all possible. So that's the goal, anyway. But, anywho, uh, Harris, do you have anything else to add? No, man, I think that's it. Uh, if you have any episode suggestions for us that we haven't covered yet, you want to hear us talk about in more detail, well, there's a lot of wacky stuff that's happened in there wrestling is. history. So, hit Same. us up. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Uh, give us a rating on iTunes. If you like it, great you don't like it hey listen we're not picky we're all no. about engagement we so are. if you think we're a real two-star match of a show you can go ahead and say that but like specify that it's a two-star show that's all we ask <laughs> yeah that, that's all that's all we want yeah follow us on twitter at behind underscore gorilla and again as harris said send us uh, episode suggestions or comments or uh, critiques or hatred i don't care send us anything on twitter we're all for it uh you can follow me on twitter at mark mark brand and I'm at Harris Wilson. So you can do that as well. Um, yeah. And uh, then, of course, as Harris said also, hit us up on iTunes. If you uh, if you do have a wrestling podcast, go ahead and uh, give us a uh, rating and review on iTunes, and we'll be happy to reciprocate that as well. Just let us know on Twitter, and we'll be happy to give you some ratings and reviews uh, as well, trying to grow you know grow the community. So yeah, that that pretty much does it. We'll be back next week with Harris uh, picking a topic, and I'm sure it will be fantastic. All his research he does Sunday morning before we record, and uh, I actually already know what I'm going to do. So <laughs> oh wow! So we that might get an even mean better I'll one. Do the research early, or you know, throughout the week. But <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. We'll see. 
but we will see. So uh, that'll do it for this week. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Again, I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. Have a great week.